0: Hi, this is Steve, and I want to welcome you to a very special tribute edition of The Cinephiles. As you know, one of the sad duties we have on the show is recognizing artists that we've lost, and last week we lost the great director, Stanley Donnan, and so we thought it was a good time to re-release our episode on Singing in the Rain, which, strangely enough, was another tribute to Debbie Reynolds. Now, normally, John and I record these tributes together, but he's off conquering the UK with his special Top 10 Live show, which sounds like it's going great, and so... It's just going to be me this time. And the strange thing is, the more I looked into Stanley Donnan, the more interesting he became to me. He was born in Columbia, South Carolina in 1924, and he was a Jewish kid. And it sounds like being a Jewish kid in Columbia at that time wasn't so easy. He faced a lot of anti-Semitism and bullying, and so he did what a lot of future directors did, which is he hid out in the movie theater. And he watched movies as much as he possibly could. He watched Comedies and westerns he loved thrillers, but the movie that had the strongest impact on him, the one that changed his life was Fred Astaire in Ginger Rogers in Flying Down to Rio, which he says he watched thirty or forty times, and that led him to take dance lessons, which he started at about nine years old and The other thing that happened was right around the same time his parents gave him an eight millimeter ca- camera which he played with constantly. And this is, you know, a, a story that we've heard before. We've heard it about Steven Spielberg, Martin Scorsese, people that found their refuge in the movies and then actually continued to play with cameras on their own and became filmmakers at a very, very young age. Donna was also lucky because his family regularly traveled to New York where he saw real Broadway musicals. And he got, even got to take dance lessons while he was there with famous dance instructors, including a guy named Ned Wayburn, who taught an 11-year-old Fred Astaire back in 1910. I mean, can you imagine going to New York and getting to take dance lessons with the guy who taught your hero? Well, when he was 16 years old, he graduated from high school because he obviously was a pretty smart kid and headed off to the University of South Carolina, and he lasted there one semester. Decided it wasn't for him. His with his parents' approval, he headed off to New York in 1940 at the age of 16 to pursue a career as a dancer. And it didn't take long because he was cast by in Pal Joey, which was by Rogers and Hart on his second audition. This is a big, huge show directed by George Abbott and starring, of course, Gene Kelly. George Abbott cast him in his next show, and then because. Donna was so interested, he also hired him to be the assistant stage manager. So he's in the chorus and working as an assistant stage manager, and Kelly takes a lot of interest in him too and says, hey, why don't you be my assistant choreographer as well? And this is this thing that I find fascinating about Donnan, is that it wasn't just that he wanted to be a dancer, but he was also fascinated with how the machine works. And there's no better place to see how the machine works than working as a stage manager. In fact, that's where my first professional jobs in the theater was, was working as a stage manager. Uh, So I feel a little tiny bit of kinship with him there. So he continues to work with George Abbott and and, in a play called Beat the Band. And right when he was 19 years old, Best Foot Forward, which is the play that he assistant choreographed with Gene Kelly has been bought by MGM, and they're going to make a movie. So what does Donovan do? He picks up at the age of 19, heads out to Hollywood, auditions for MGM, and immediately gets a studio contract. And there he renews his friendship with Gene Kelly, who at that point has become kind of a regular supporting actor. Kelly was loaned out to Columbia for his first starring role— to choreograph and dance in a film called Cover Girl. And he decides to bring Donnan along as, again, his assistant choreographer. And Donnan has this idea. He thinks it would be a great idea for Kelly to dance with his own reflection that jumps out of a store window. And, of course, everyone thought he was crazy. And remember, this is a 19-year-old kid. And no one goes, this is impossible. It can't be done. And Donnan decides to do it on his own. And with Gene Kelly's help, they choreograph this this thing, they shoot it together. Donnan spends an entire year editing it. So I posted the scene on Facebook. I'd seen the movie, but I hadn't seen it in years. And I can't tell you how technically impressive this is considering the technology at the time. I mean, looking at this film, you would assume they had motion control cameras like they used in Star Wars because what's so hard is you're putting two images together superimposing them and the camera is moving as the actors are moving the backgrounds are moving it is a really really hard thing to do and of course the dancing from and choreography from gene kelly is amazing and, and i'm gonna post the scene of kelly dancing with his reflection on facebook it's well worth first of all it's a great dance number and it's well worth taking a look at because it is technically groundbreaking And this sets up this precedent of how they're going to work together, that Gene Kelly is going to be in charge of the choreography. But Gene Kelly, it seems like, wasn't so comfortable dealing with the technical aspects of filmmaking. And so he had Stanley Donnan along to sort of translate between the music, choreography, dance, movement, and camera editing and all the technical parts. And it was, by the way, this movie Cover Girl that really established Gene Kelly as a star on his own. And when he went back to MGM and worked on Anchors Away, who does he bring with him? Stanley Donnan. And now Donnan has this idea of Gene Kelly dancing with a cartoon mouse, Jerry. And so they create this sequence that is an unbelievable technical achievement. This animation was supervised by William Hanna and Joseph Barbera, but the idea was Donnan's, and he figured out how to shoot it. They spent months shooting it, and again, Donnan spent a year perfecting each scene frame by frame to make it work. I mean, this, again, technically extremely difficult, high degree of difficulty, and it was naturally a huge sensation. And this gives them finally... And after working together one more time on Take Me Out to the Ball Game, they finally got the chance to co-direct their own film, and that is 1949, On the Town, the story of three sailors on a 24-hour leave in New York City with Frank Sinatra, and they had the idea that they wanted to shoot on location. And you have to understand that up to this point, movie musicals were always filmed on sound stages. Nobody went out to shoot on location because it's extremely difficult in terms of noise, in terms of traffic, in terms of controlling your environment. But they decided to go out and do it, and again, this is a huge, huge hit. And how old was Stanley Donnan when he directed his first feature film? He was 25, same age as Orson Welles when he directed Citizen Kane. Now, I don't mean to compare Stanley Donald to Horson Wells in any way. That would be a ridiculous comparison. But the amount that this guy accomplished from when he showed up in Broadway in when he was 16 years old until now, nine years later, at the age of 25, co-directing his first film with Gene Kelly is remarkable. Kelly goes off to do American in Paris, and Donnan is now a director on his own. And one of his first films is Royal Wedding with his hero, Fred Astaire. So now he actually gets to direct the guy who inspired him in that movie theater when he was nine years old. And he does one of the most iconic Fred Astaire scenes that have ever been put on film, which is, again, shows technical mastery and also a real understanding of dance. And that is... Fred Astaire dancing on the ceiling. They have the whole set on a gimbal, and Fred Astaire dances, and as the camera and the set rotates, he dances on the wall, dances on the ceiling. It is a remarkable scene, and I'm going to post it on Facebook so you can all take a look at it. After Gene Kelly's success on American in Paris, he comes back to work with Stanley Donnan on their most famous collaboration, and the movie that we're talking about today, which is the wonderful, warm, fuzzy feeling Singing in the Rain, it's one of my all-time favorites. Donnan goes on to direct films on his own, including what I know is one of John's favorites, Seven Brides for Seven Brothers. Maybe that'll show up on the cinephile sometime. And then Donan and Gene Kelly have their final collaboration on It's Always Fair Weather, which is a movie I like a lot. But it sounds like they had a rough time on that one. It seems as if they had both grown into being wanting to be directors in their own right, and it didn't quite work so well with them working together. Uh, Donnan's the rest of his career. It's not like there are... Great, great movies here, but a lot of really good ones, including including Funny Face, Pajama Game, and Damn Yankees, non-musicals like Indiscreet and Charade, and some people have called Charade, by the way, the best Hitchcock movie Hitchcock never made. Then the guy continued to work through the 60s, through the 70s. In the 80s, he makes Blame It on Rio with Michael Caine, which I totally remember when it came out. He directed episodes of Moonlighting. He directed Lionel Richie's music video Dancing on the Ceiling, and his last film was a 1999 TV movie, Love Letters starring Steven Weber and Laura Linney, and he was still directing Off-Broadway in two 2002. Now, Donnan is known as one of the most important directors in the golden age of musicals, along with Vincent Minnelli. And really, for his technical mastery, his understanding of cinema, this is a guy that we really should remember. Um, And so I'm very, very happy to return to one of my favorite musicals, Singing in the Rain, starring Gene Kelly and Donald O'Connor. And I should say that we're also joined in this episode by one of my favorite guests, Broadway actress, singer, dancer, TV star, and now TV director Milena Govich. So without further ado, I give you Singing in the Rain. <laughs> Welcome once again to the Cinephiles, where each week we enter the world of a great film. We explore its themes, the history, the filmmaking,
1: and the influence it has on us today. Uh, my name is Steve Morris. I'm a directing instructor and filmmaker in Los Angeles, California. Happy New Year, everybody. I, I don't know how many weeks you we are out of that one, but I'm just going to say that now. It's always uh, nice to say Happy right? New Year. I think we're still in the, in that area that I can. Uh, hi, I'm John Roga. Uh I'm a voiceover artist, uh, host of numerous shows here in LA, and an occasional actor as well. And uh, we're very happy to welcome Milena Govich, who is a
0: Broadway actress, singer, dancer, and you might have seen her on Law & Order, on Finding Carter, and Rescue Me. Uh, Milena, welcome to the Cinephiles. Thank you so much for having me. Well, we're really happy to have you, and we're particularly happy to have you today because we're going to talk about musicals.
2: I love musicals! <laughs> and, and,
0: <laughs> and unfortunately, there's sort of a sad way that we got into this, which is, yeah. look, as everyone knows, 2016 was rough. Really, really. It, was, it was a very difficult brutal. year. Yeah, yeah, brutal. And we could go on and on and on about the actors and writers and singers and dancers and important people in our lives that we've lost. And it seemed like the the knockout blow at the end of the year was in two days losing Carrie Fisher and the day after her mom, Debbie Reynolds. And it was just beautiful and brutal and shocking and...
2: It was completely heartbreaking. Yeah.
0: It really was. And and we might get into talking about Carrie Fisher a little later on mm-hmm. a different episode of The Cinephiles. Yeah. But but today we really wanted to talk about Debbie Reynolds. And, and it gives us an opportunity for as sad as 2016 was to have one of what I think might be the most joyous movie I can think, about, think of, which is Singing in the Rain. Yeah. And
2: especially her performance, too. Oh, I mean, she's absolutely. just living.
0: <laughs> absolutely. She is 100%... Joyful and bubbling and charismatic. And, and it's also, Singing in the Rain my, is my favorite dance movie, mm. by far. But Dance
1: movie, you say?
0: Yeah. Not musical. Well, just just in terms of, li- I literally have, uh, a part of it is that I teach them, but also mm. I will pull up on YouTube, make them laugh, or Moses Supposes, mm. anytime I've shown them to my kid over mm. and over and over again, good morning, yeah. Singing in the Rain, they're just... And nothing, they just make me smile. Yeah. And I wanted to ask you, because we have, when, when did you start dancing, Melina?
2: Um, I was basically dancing out of the womb. <laughs> it seems very slippery. Uh, oh, yeah. Well, you know, you get good core strength and balance. <laughs> I guess so. Um, that's gross. Anyway, <laughs> I started training when I was about five or six years old, um, and I trained classical ballet my whole life, uh, essentially. Um, mm. I missed. Most pop culture of the 80s and 90s because I was in a dance studio 25 hours a week after school. Wow. Um, I love dance and I knew I was never going to be a ballerina because I, at five, eight, am the tiniest person in my family. Uh, mm. But on Broadway, they love tall girls who have curves and also have classical dance training. So sure. that's where I found my niche dance wise.
0: And what, what was your first show on Broadway?
2: My first show was Cabaret at Studio 54, oh, nice. directed by Sam Mendes and Rob Marshall. Wow. Nice. Yeah, that's also how I got my equity card. It's a pretty... Uh, <laughs> mm, wow, way to go. <laughs> it's a pretty lucky story. Yeah. yeah.
0: And you're doing Fosse dancing then.
2: Well, it was Rob Marshall's choreography. However, it was in the Fosse world. Yeah. I mean, you can't do Cabaret without paying homage to Bob Fosse. Yeah. So it was a little. it wasn't the original choreography, but it was very similar. Very down, raw... Harsh, which was actually hard for me as a trained ballet dancer because everything is lifted yeah. and very right. graceful, and now I'm being asked to dance with my crotch you know? <laughs> right. so that 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 was a that was a great learning experience for me
0: and was that the first time you'd had to make a transition like that, or had you had you done other styles
2: I'd done other styles, but this this was a really specific style it was um, oh, yeah. yeah and very um uh, specific to the show itself, and the the time period it was taking place in, and the heaviness of the subject matter. So, that was that was different for me.
0: So, and while you were missing all of the pop culture going on when <laughs> you were a kid, did you miss Singing in the Rain too? When did you? Oh see no!
2: It? Oh no! No, Singing in the Rain was playing in my house whenever it would come on. The um, in Oklahoma, the um, public. Station was OETA, and they would play old movies, especially on the weekends, and my parents always had them on, right. and so I I saw it many times, probably it was longer before I actually saw the whole movie start to finish. Right, <laughs> yeah. But yeah, very familiar with it growing up.
1: And what about you? Do you remember when you first saw it? Yeah, I'm sure I saw it as a child on PBS or something. I remember just, I, I became a massive Gene Kelly fan as a child, like just massive, like yeah. everything he did... I watched and and as I got older and I was able to have access to stuff that wasn't showing popularly all the time I would uh, it's always fair weather the pirate you know take me out to the ball game all these things, I, I'm like behind Orson Welles. Gene Kelly is my second favorite really? actor, wow. celebrity, entertainer. Period. It just there was something about what his, a weird combo. It, it is because his I, for whatever reason I had. I, I am a frustrated music song and dance man, which means I, I didn't I never had the training and I don't have the voice. But if I could, if I had Melina's talents, Melina's abilities, I would be. I would have done this till I was dead. I would have yeah. been a musical theater actor, touring till I was dead because it's just something I love to do and I don't have the skill or ability to do it. Right. So he, I could live out my dreams through Gene Kelly and because his dance was something I could connect to, Fred Astaire not so much. Fred Astaire is fantastic but it's, all, it's very elevated dance. They're very, very different. Soft, shoe, yeah. soft shoe. Whereas Kelly to me was always uh, blood and guts. It was barbed wire and broken glass. It was down in there. It was more grunty and so I could relate to it more. The moves were more powerful, more dazzling and so to me that was what really stood out and his characters were never like these high evolutionary characters. There were these always down on their luck, doesn't have a lot of money, especially with Singing in the Rain. He he is a, a stuntman. He's a stuntman. He grew up poor, which we see in the beginning, like all this kind of stuff. So there was a lot of what Kelly did with his characters that really I, I gravitated to. And so I would enjoy the music and the dance through connecting to the character and then going from there and enjoying the movie and Singing in the Rain. I remember seeing as a child with my mom and dad Uh, And then just would see it all the time because there's such a joy in that dancing in the rain, singing in the rain particular number Mm -hmm. that for me as a kid was like my eyes were like wide open to see something like that and was like, oh, my God. And it became one of my favorite musicals. ever. It's strange. This might sound very, very strange.
0: But the way I first came to dance and loving dance, I fell in love with that. Almost exactly the same time, I fell in love with martial arts and mm. martial arts movies. Oh,
2: that makes sense. And yeah. it was the, yeah. for me
0: there. The, it was the same. So I watched, you know, Enter the Dragon the first time I was nine, and I probably saw Singing in the Rain and my first Fred Astaire, and you know, Holiday Inn, and all those films probably right around the same time. And there's something about the elegance and the beauty of the human body in movement mm. that I just love.
2: I think Gene Kelly would have loved to have heard you say that, mm. given his. His reverence for athleticism right. and dance at the same time. I think he'd be thrilled to hear that. Yeah.
0: Well, and he he wanted to. And one of his big things was to he wanted dance to be masculine, mm-hmm. you right. know. And he said that he said that quite a lot. And he, you can see in the way that he moves. And it's interesting too when you think about the great male dancers, and you think of Fred Astaire, and you think of Gene Kelly, or you think of the Nicholas brothers, who mm. are just off the oh, charts yeah. amazing Ooh, yeah. or you think of gregory hines or baryshnikov mm-hmm. and every every or sammy davis jr and every single one of them they move like they move yeah they don't yeah. move like anybody or Savion glover or all of mm-hmm. them are mm-hmm. just that guy moves like that yeah and and you could see gene kelly's style of movement and i think maybe because of martial arts that he he was my guy too well
2: yeah. i think all of that was really intentional for yeah. gene kelly mm-hmm. you know he he didn't want to be the the regal elegant Fred Astaire he really wanted um, his dance and his movement to translate more to the everyman Mm -hmm. to so that you could sit and watch it and go I could do that or I relate to what this character is going through not only through the story and the dialogue but also through the physical movement and I love the fact that his shirt sleeves are always rolled up. Right, you know, (laughs) he's still in his white pants and his, you know, his preppy vest, but the shirt sleeves are up, and so you know you're connecting to him in a different way than you would if someone like Fred Astaire.
0: Yeah, Uh, absolutely. And he said he 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 said that if he tried to put on a tuxedo and dance like Fred Astaire, he'd look like the you know the plumber had snuck in. Um, (laughs) That and and it very much comes from his his background. He grew up in Pittsburgh, um, and he his parents. Uh, pushed him to dance at a young age along with his brother. And uh, he really resisted. He didn't want to do it and he was getting beat up at school and called names that I'm not going to go into what those names were. But he really resented it. He wanted to play baseball. He quit dance. He played baseball. He went, I'm going to go be a a baseball player. And he was apparently, you know, I mean, the guy's obviously... Gifted yeah. in movement in every single way. I'd put way. him at shortstop. No, yeah. no question. Um, <laughs> but then he keeps coming back to dance. And in high school, he starts coming back more and more. And his family opens up a dance school. Mm. Um, and he becomes a dance instructor and begins uh, doing choreography in, in high school. And goes to college. Then he goes to law school, which I didn't actually know until I was just reading up on him. And uh, and But in law school, and he, he did sort of his first theatrical productions while in college. And... In law school, he keeps getting pulled back to dance. And after a few months of law school, he drops out and decides, no, no, I'm going to be a dancer. And what's so interesting to me about him is there are all sorts of choreographers who began as dancers. That's very normal. That's obviously the path. Gene Kelly was a choreographer from the beginning. From high school and college and right after he was teaching dance and doing choreography and was sought after as much for those things as he was for being a performer himself. And in his very early 20s, he goes, okay, I'm going to go to New York. I'm going to go to Broadway. And he goes and nothing. And it's a complete failure and he goes back to pittsburgh and uh and it's back in pittsburgh where he starts to really build up this reputation as a choreographer becomes sort of bigger and bigger Mm -hmm. then returns to new york a second time and this is the time that it hits Mm -hmm. and the the big one i think for him is pal joey um and that's where he really starts to and he's choreographing over here and he's dancing over here and sometimes he's dancing for in other people's choreography sometimes is in his own Comes to Hollywood, and again, it's a little bit of a struggle in the early, mm-hmm. uh, in the early '40s for him. Uh, he does enlist in the military in World War II, as a lot of actors Hears did at that Navy. time. Yep. He was in the mm-hmm. Navy and comes back, and it's really with those Frank Sinatra movies, uh, Anchors Away, yeah. On the Town. Um, those are the ones that really he starts to hit, and uh,
1: and that's when his his choreography and his own style starts to emerge. Well, he's also challenged, right? Because Frank wasn't a dancer. He had to teach Frank how to dance. You know, he had to teach him how to move. And he adjusted. He had to adjust his choreography. Right, he had to find to a way to make it work. Exactly. And because Frank was, as, you could argue, was, as big, was a bigger star than Gene than was. So Gene had to kind of make that work in their films. And On the Town is one of my absolute favorite films. I own it in every possible version it's ever been in. From beta so much fun. to, to uh, high-end Blu-ray, I own it. Because it's just so so much fun and so joyful. And the songs don't get enough love. The songs are so good in On the Town and nobody gives them enough love uh, and the same thing with Take Me Out to the Ballgame. There's some great songs in that, in that in those musicals that don't get as much love as Singing in the Rain, or West Side Story, other musicals that, that you hear songs from.
0: And, and on the town, it's really important because it's the first musical shot on location in, yes, New, York. in New York. It yeah. really c- c- brings musicals out of kind of the backlot way that they had been shot in the past. And we have to remember that this is in the height of the studio era. Right. This is the height of the MGM musical. He's mostly working at MGM. And we'll talk about it a bunch in, the, in, in throughout this film, but... MGM is it, it the way they made movies then is completely different from how we made movies now and there's a lot, a lot of things that are bad about the studio system and there's a lot of things i really miss about it <laughs> so let's get let's get into singing in the rain let's do um so the uh, the, the origin story this is sort of strange because w- the way musicals happen from the 50s on like post Rodgers and Hammerstein is that we we create all the songs for the musical everything is within the characters and it is not how this movie gets made
2: no this is... This is one of the premier jukebox musicals yeah. that there ever was. <laughs> mm-hmm.
0: All these songs already existed. Yeah. It's Arthur Freed, who's the producer, who was, kind of ran his own sort of mini group at MGM. And he said, I've got all these songs.
1: Let's do something to them. And that's how the movie gets made. Well, it's great when you go back and watch these documentaries. Like, that's entertainment. There was one, mm-hmm. two, and three. Like, when you watch one and two, there are... You see the songs that are in Singing in the Rain when they were originally done in the 20s and 30s, the numbers that were done, like the Busby Berkeley type stuff, which is one of the things I enjoy about the movie. The movie has such reverence for old Hollywood and the old Hollywood musicals. And
2: yet it's still poking fun at the same time.
1: Exactly. It's incredibly subversive. If we're watching it this time, it's incredibly subversive and making fun of itself and Hollywood itself. And all of it could apply to 2016 No, or 2017. Questions. All of it could apply from the woman ignoring Donald O'Connor when he shows up to because the bigger star is coming to the, the uh, crap profiles that they create to make it seem like the star is humbly yeah. r- arriving when you know the truth behind the story. There's mm-hmm. just so much there. You know? yeah. Well, that that opening sequence is yeah. so great and so, just as you say,
0: so subversive because we have this... Gene Kelly you know Don Lockwood is going to tell his story yeah. and he's telling it in this completely fake <laughs> way and he keeps saying oh it's always dignity
3: well Dora I've had one motto which I've always lived by dignity always dignity this was instilled in me by mom and dad from the very beginning they sent me to the finest schools including dancing school that's where I first met Cosmo and with him, I used to perform for all of Mum and Dad's society friends. <laughs> and yeah. then you get to see the reality
0: behind that, yeah. and it's perfect juxtaposition, and it's perfect destruction of everything he's saying. You know, like all of this
1: is a lie. Yeah. Yeah. And he's well, all in all white, which I love. Well, yeah. The idea that he's in all white, which means he's pure and innocent, when in fact he's lying. There's all. And it's, it's
2: a fabulous idea. I mean, I I don't know exactly, but from what I know, Comden and Green came up with this concept mm. of for the book of the show to be a satire. And since all the music was actually written uh, during the time period of the Busby Berkeley and all of that, it worked perfectly for this kind of story. So it was a really smart adaptation of the existing material.
0: Well, and and, and to some degree, they're sending up, older Hollywood which yeah. maybe gives them a little liberty right. you know they're not setting right. up 1952 Hollywood mm-hmm. and we should say too by the way this is coming right after one year after American in Paris so Gene Kelly has just done the what was up to that time the biggest movie of his career it's in terms of awards the yeah. most successful movie of his mm-hmm. career mm-hmm. and it is a it's not that uh, American Paris is heavy but compared to Singing in the Rain it's a more like we're doing a ser- more serious thing
1: that's why sure. that's why it's my favorite of his... American, American Paris period. is... Oh, absolutely. The ballet itself is so powerful. And yeah. there's so much in that film that is dark and and sad and difficult yeah. and painful through the whole thing. It's unrequited love through the whole uh, yeah. film. Mm-hmm. This is more happy, playful, bouncy, discovery, these kinds of things. Mis- miscommunication, but but American in Paris is, is, and it's why I won best pick. It is the, it's a darker, more serious musical. This is why I like, uh,
0: singing in the rain better. Cause I'm a more happy, bouncing <laughs> person than you. When you are more serious.
1: <laughs> uh, okay. I accept that. <laughs> I will accept that.
0: I don't know is ever described. me as happy or bouncy. <laughs>
1: we're say. all laughing at that comment for <laughs> a I reason.
0: Um, <laughs> uh, and yeah, so it's all these songs pulled from other places. And we are right at the end of the silent era and, as a guy who loves film history, I'm literally teaching film school today, mm. and the subject came up of the difference between Cinemascope and Cinerama oh, and nice. why. Huh. And I just wanted to started talking, and they kept asking me questions. So got got in this whole lecture of how we went from silent to sound and different kinds of perforations on film edges and all these kind of geeky things that I really love. Mm-hmm. And so it's so fun to watch this moment in the silent era. Yeah. And while this is a completely silly movie, Pretty accurate too. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. you know, like the, there's the scene where they're filming multiple silent films right next to each other, yeah. and different yeah. directors. Adi- that's how they did it, because that's how you could do that in a right. silent film. Right. And it
2: looks ridiculous in this day and totally age. Totally ridiculous. Yeah.
0: yeah, but that's what it was. And the style of acting that we have, which is this sort of big, broad mm-hmm. acting with text and these very huge romantic movies, that that was for real too. And, that, and,
1: and that's a good. Segway, I think, into Debbie Reynolds because I mean, that's what she does in that car is essentially making fun of everything that Don Lockwood what you're talking about the pantomime acting the whole thing that she's that that's going on there in the car And you see that and it's so funny because she's not wrong Oh, Thank you.
3: Oh, no offense Movies are entertaining enough for the masses, but the personalities on the screen just don't impress me I mean, they don't talk. They don't act. They just make a lot of dumb show You mean like what I do well, yes, here we are at sunset in Camden.
1: Because she's not <laughs> exactly, wrong. but at that time in that era, when you go back and watch those silent films, you see it's a lot of. A lot of big faces and a big movements and that have you. And I will subtitle the
0: moment where you didn't hear anything because Roka <laughs> did some beautiful silent movie acting. It's um, very impressive. Um, Thank what, you. What, What's particularly <laughs> funny, too, with, with Debbie Reynolds in that scene, yeah. so, so uh, Don Lockwood, Gene Kelly's character, has just gone from his hugely successful premiere. He runs away from his fans climbing up on a car, on a bus. And by the way,
1: does his own stunt.
0: Jane Kelly would have made a great action star. Absolutely.
2: I I would argue that he is an action star. Sure, uh, I agree.
0: But I, what, what, let me put it differently. I wish he was around
1: today and we could put him in a great action. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Huge. Yeah. Can you imagine him in a, in a, in a big superhero movie? That would be think amazing. This, I was just saying, I always think that's one of the crimes that he never got a chance to do. As much out of musicals as he could have, as in his, as he should have, you know. You see, inherit the wind. He has a yeah. part in that, but like it would have, it would have been awesome to see him in an action film to do these kinds of movements and right. what could work, you know, whatever.
0: And he drops in Debbie Reynolds yeah. car. She doesn't recognize him at first, but that she does, and then she plays very sort of snooty, looking down on him, which is, as you say, really funny, and then doubly funny because we find out she's a big fan,
1: and only after. Much later, he comes yeah. on to her. That's yeah. when she becomes. You're
2: stupid. right. You're right. Yeah, much She's later. She's nice to him
1: until he takes advantage of her. He tries to take advantage of her. Then she fights back. And, yeah, she should. And by the way, how? Who? Who is he? That? Who does he become when he comes on to her?
2: Oh, he starts to put on the persona.
0: The Hollywood. Yeah. Yeah. Right. The, the lie. Hollywood guy. <laughs> the yeah. exactly the same full of it guy that we saw at the beginning exactly. of the thing. Wow. Well,
3: we movie stars get the glory. I guess we have to take the little heartaches that go with it. People think we lead lives of glamour and romance, but we're really lonely, terribly lonely.
0: Exactly. And that is why, of course, she should reject him because, mm-hmm. and that's not who he is. Right, right. Um, we we get to uh, this big premiere party, and in comes the the cake, <laughs> and out of the cake, who should pop out? <laughs> but very cute, Debbie Reynolds. That is
2: one of my favorite screenshots of her ever. Is coming out of that cake. I mean. You can't buy that kind of effervescence and mm-hmm. joy and pureness of spirit. I mean, she just leaps off the screen. Yeah. Well,
0: and let, let's, talk, let's talk a little bit about Debbie Reynolds, who, you know, this is the whole reason we did this, is sadly we lost her just a few weeks ago. You know, she, she comes from Texas. She uh, moves to Burbank. Her family is working class, fairly, very religious. They are, she lives in a very kind of controlled upbringing she's a girl scout she's a gymnast she becomes Miss Burbank mm-hmm. uh, she's a beautiful singing voice uh, and she gets hired by MGM uh, she's in one movie where she does pretty well and then Louis B. Mayer tells Jean Kelly this is going to be your co-star in Singing in the Rain Jean right. Kelly says she has no dance experience mm-hmm. which mm-hmm. she didn't no, zero dance experience and Louis B. Mayer repeats <laughs> this is going to be your co-star in Singing in the Rain and then Debbie Reynolds has to learn how to dance.
2: Yeah. It's it's a monumental undertaking for her. And but fortunately with her gymnastics background, you know, she was coordinated. She yeah. knew how to pick up a routine and and all that and so she had good body awareness and
0: yeah um <laughs> but could you you who started doing ballet at five yeah but someone... you know
2: what i didn't come to tap dance till much much later i mm. didn't start studying tap till i was in college so i was actually probably same age as debbie reynolds when i started tap dancing
0: and could you in six months have picked up a good morning and
2: um she was is doing really difficult steps up
0: and down the stairs oh and and to
2: to keep pace with gene kelly and donald o'connor i'm that is not nothing yeah what she accomplished uh in those two numbers in particular was phenomenal Mm. and she is toe-to-toe with those guys absolutely and and also she got even in the the more balletic number, um we you, were you, were, you meant were meant for me. me. You yeah. were meant for me. She does a beautiful job. Yeah. And that can some of that upper body work can be just as difficult as all the intricate footwork right. yeah. because you have to look effortless. And that's one thing I love about Gene Kelly is cause no matter what he's doing, it's the most athletic dancing you've ever seen, mm-hmm. but he looks he's floating. Yeah. And he's he's delivering an emotional performance on top of it it's you never feel like he's jerking around or anything so he he was able to teach her that and from what i know of debbie reynolds that whole experience shaped her mm-hmm. and it taught her the kind of work ethic that kept her performing <laughs> <laughs> right up until up until the basically end. the day she died i mean yeah. she's still going to Vegas every mm-hmm. year and you know well into her 80s and yeah. well you know, and, what, and what she
0: did at that time is you know six months where she moved into the studio yes she put a she's 19 she's 19 19, 19 yeah. years mm-hmm. old she puts a cot in her dressing room she lives there the whole time her feet are regularly bleeding yeah. and there's one
2: story I heard uh, spoiler that's not unusual for dancers just <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> <laughs>
0: I can't yeah yeah I can't imagine because when my feet stop start bleeding I sit down. <laughs> I was like, "Well, well. <laughs> there's the difference to yeah. yeah. I guess that's why well, I dancers never Dancers are a tough. They're tough. Yeah. Yeah. Super t- I and mean, this is something I remember I was watching I I was watching so you think you can dance and they had some and it, sure this was kind of BS a little bit, but they had some people come in with all sorts of body measurement metric things mm-hmm. to test where dancers were on the scale of athletes. And, oh. of course, it was off the charts, Yeah, you know, heart yeah. in terms of heart rate, endurance, flexibility, oxygen in the lungs, you know, all, you know, strength, speed. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, you again, know.
2: it's you're asking these people to do the most athletic thing they can possibly do and also make it look effortless. Right. Mm-hmm. There's no, like, huffing and puffing at the end or grinch, grinching up your face to lift the heaviest thing. I mean, you you could be... A male dancer lifting your female partner yeah. who may not be the lightest right. feather, <laughs> but you got to make it look effortless, yeah. you know?
0: Yeah. yeah, there's a moment and, 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 you know, Debbie Reynolds in those six months had to get to that point where she could hold her own with those people. And there's one moment that she says where she was crying under a piano one day alone in the studio and who walks in but Fred Astaire. Oh, wow. And Fred Astaire finds her and basically says something like the only way to be a great dancer is through great pain.
2: That's true. Mm. <laughs> true, true. My ballet teacher used to say, if it doesn't hurt, you're not doing it right.
0: Wow. Yeah. And, and it's funny for this thing, you know, for those of you who maybe you didn't grow up doing, taking dance classes, yeah. maybe you haven't met dancers, is that the impression that they give on the stage of grace and effortlessness and joy and lightness is nothing to do with what it takes to get there.
1: Yeah.
2: Just Google ballerina feet. It's, it's All right, yeah. awful. Should we put a warning on <laughs> hey, that? <anyway>. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, maybe don't actually do that. I don't know what's going to come up exactly, but
1: and what's interesting is they they have a high tolerance for pain and don't like to be fussed over. Like that the thing I've discovered in my uh, interactions with dancers, the natural when they're in pain, the natural desire to help or fix is not welcomed because they there's a badge of honor in the toughness in the feet, in the pain, in the bleeding, in whatever it is that they earn through the work that they're doing to to achieve what they want to achieve and they don't want to be fussed over about it. Well, the last it, thing accepted. you want
2: is for someone to watch your performance and go, "Wow, you are you okay?" Yeah, <laughs> right? No, it's the it's the opposite of yeah. of what you want to come off in a performance. Yeah. And yeah, it's training, it's hard work, it's endurance. Boy, the endurance levels. I mean, if you think about these dance numbers, it's not like, oh, well, we learned the dance, let's do the dance and now go to lunch. Yeah. I mean, take after take, something like 40 takes of um, of the good morning number. I uh, There's a story about them doing the end of that where they tip over the couches mm-hmm. and just getting that right. It took forever to get yeah. the timing right and all three of them just going over at exactly the same moment. Talk about athleticism. Mm -hmm. Unbelievable.
0: So uh, we meet Kathy Seldon, and we see her do this All I Do Is Dream of You.
3: All I do is dream of you the whole night through. With the dawn, I still go on dreaming of you. You're every thought, you're everything, you're every song I ever sing. Summer, winter, autumn, and spring.
0: And it is so bright. And cute and she has to do again really interesting acting which is be a hundred percent in the dance number and also be embarrassed to have been discovered by Don Lockwood in this lie yes mm-hmm. uh and which culminates of course in him trying to talk to her because he really likes her at yeah. this point and mm-hmm. she tries to throw some cake in her his face and hits uh someone we have not spoken about yet which is uh Lena Lamont played by Jean, Jean Hagen. Hagen and she is amazing
3: a little joy into your humdrum life. It makes us feel as though our hard work ain't been in vain for nothing.
1: So good.
2: Oh, she's fantastic. She's perfect in this part. Right.
1: Especially yeah. because she doesn't speak that way. Yeah. No. So she has to put that on to play that part. And what's fantastic is when I was watching it this time around, I thought, oh, could you look at this as a misogynistic film because they're kind of putting her down? But no, no, no. She has her way of forcing her power or pushing her power throughout the film so that although they are making fun of her and they do come after her, she has these street smarts that she uses in certain moments to achieve and maintain her status mm-hmm. and fight for her status in, in Hollywood.
2: Well, yeah, exactly. And, I mean, she's she's using the skills and the tools that she has to do it. Yeah. And, you know, as, as, as an actress, I... You know, there are moments in the movie where you're like, oh, God, please. But, um, <laughs> but at the same time, it's, it, you have to ask your, yourself the question, what is this character willing to risk to hang on to her career? Right. You know, and in a hypothetical world, what would Lena Lamont do? Mm-hmm. after this you know she's kind of got no other choice right well
0: and this is a real thing so we're in this moment it's the end of the silent era yeah. and there was a lot of casualties at the end of the silent sure. era in turn in ter- including how films were made so one of the really interesting things is that silent films really reached a peak in the late 20s mm-hmm. and the techniques were really sophisticated in terms of the filmmaking I mean, we might have made fun of some of the acting Earlier, But there's some gorgeous, amazing silent films made in this era. And as soon as you introduce sound, because that's what happens in Singing in the Rain, is that all of that sophistication has to go away because now in order to do sound recording, you can't have these camera moves because they, they didn't have the equipment to do it. You had to have these big booths to record sound and everything had to get locked down. And so the the technique of filmmaking went back about 10 years mm-hmm. when we were to mm-hmm. do sound. And then you have all these actors who might have been fantastic silent actors uh, but some of them couldn't even speak English well, you know, and so they <laughs> had to go away. They mm-hmm. they they were lost, and that's what mm-hmm. Lena Lamont is facing at this point in the movie.
2: Yeah, I I actually have empathy for her, mm-hmm. you know, in that regard. I, I, a
0: little. <laughs> <laughs> she's a really bad person.
2: She maybe goes about it the wrong way. <laughs>
0: she's not nice. I mean, she clearly wants to destroy Kathy Selden for the incident with the cake, right? Um, and but uh, not just for
1: that, but because she feels the challenge.
2: She's threatened. She's threatened. Sure.
0: Yeah. 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 And Don Lockwood, Gene Kelly's character, is desperately looking for her and really sad. And who's going to come make him feel a little bit better <laughs> but his good friend, Donald O'Connor? Cosmo.
3: Short people have long faces. And long people have short faces. Big people have little humor, and little people have no humor at all. <laughs> and in the words of that immortal bard, Samuel J. Snodgrass, as he was about to be led to the guillotine... Make them laugh, make them laugh Don't you know everyone wants to laugh ah, ah. My dad said be an actor, my son But be a comical one, they'll be standing in lines or those old hunky tonk monkey shines. Or you could study Shakespeare and be quite elite. And you could charm the critics and have nothing to eat. Just slip on a banana
1: peel, the world's at your feet.
3: Make them laugh, make them laugh, make them laugh.
1: This is my favorite Donald O'Connor performance, bar none.
3: Oh, oh yeah. for sure. Just
1: so amazing and so much fun. And you, you get that, you get that understanding why he never became a lead, even though he's probably... Technically a better dancer than almost anyone that's ever been on screen. Mm-hmm. But he doesn't have quite that gravitas to be a lead. Well, he's, but he he's does great, great work as a second. Yeah, yeah, but there yeah. is, there is nobody fantastic.
2: that can do what he does better. Yep. That just Barnum. I dare any professional <laughs> athlete anywhere on this planet to try to do, make him laugh like Donald O'Connor. Yeah. My God. That is one of the most genius numbers on on screen i think ever for a solo guy i mean and he does he does everything yeah he does everything and i don't know two-thirds of the way through the number i don't know how he's still getting up off the floor yeah yeah. (laughs) Yeah.
0: he literally seems like i'm going to destroy myself for your amusement just beating himself to (laughs) pieces and the athleticism and the intensity and the 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 yeah, it's amazing what he does in that number.
2: Yeah. He runs up a wall for yeah. God's sake. It gets really,
0: I've watched that a lot. He gets I seen a lot of guys do flips off walls. He gets really hot. <laughs> yeah. He's like three steps up. No, I mean, yeah. If you amazing. look if you just
2: look where his last footfall is and then yeah. where his head is once he lands again, yeah. I mean, it's it's unbelievable. Yeah. And not only not only the athleticism and the, all the tricks, but the timing. His comedic timing is so spot on. Um, The the part in the number where his face is all crooked and he's, it's just boom, boom, boom on a dime. It's so clean and Mm -hmm. so funny, um, but it doesn't feel anticipated at the same time. Mm It really feels like it's organically coming from him and his clown persona. Mm -hmm. As as someone who also has coached a lot of young musical theater performers and it's not something you can teach. Mm. Either you've got it, or you don't. It's just got to be innate and he has it.
0: Yeah. Oh yeah.
2: Oh, and just let me also say, one of the most difficult things to do is to get a trained dancer to dance badly. Just like a trained singer right. to sing badly. Right. His training is clearly impeccable based on the rest yeah. of the movie, yeah. but to do those silly pratfalls and to uh, make it look real. And yeah. yeah, to be really off difficult. balance yeah. and
0: awkward and on the wrong foot
1: and yeah. yeah. And
2: then not injure yourself doing it. Right. That's incredibly and,
1: difficult. And avoid the wood and jump through the wall and all these things and climb out. I mean, all of it is just... It, it was a show. It was like, we will. I will take the part, but I need one number where I can show where will, everything <laughs> that I can do because you're not going to let me do it because well, Gene is the star. And that is a perfect exchange that you can make for that.
2: And from what I know, that was... Um... Gene Kelly was a big champion of this idea of giving him a big showcase number um, because he is so talented. Mm -hmm. And, you know, they were very good friends and they really went through the vaudeville canon (laughs) to create this number. All the shtick that he had ever done as a child star, as a child (laughs) dancer, whatever worked at one point in time. Let's figure out a way to kitchen sink it into this number. Yeah. Well,
0: and that's sort of what this film is a lot is that we get a lot of kitchen sinking. I like that expression, <laughs> Yeah, you know, of, of old Hollywood stick. And we're yeah. going to do, cause we're going to have Zigfieldness, and we're going to have, we're going to have Busby Berkeley. And we're going to have, we're going to pull out all the stuff yeah. uh, for the film. So Don is looking for Kathy. He can't find her, and then it ends up she's working in his studio. Yeah. Um. And he and this is what's really interesting. In most movies, most romantic movies, we're going to have love come together in Act Three. Right. Uh huh. This one hasn't happened. Kind of at the end of Act One is that he takes her and he says, "I have something important to say to you, and I can't say it." And it's so interesting this level of artifice versus reality. Yeah. I can't say it uh, in the real world. I have to take you to the movie world. Yeah. And he takes her and puts thousands of watts on her in a wind machine oh
2: i love this number mm. so much it, it, it's so just blatantly romantic <laughs> and beautiful
0: <laughs> so we find kathy selden she's going to come back we're going to do a sound picture um and then we get to watch the recording of sound And i have to say that, that we have this sequence where we're, we're actually recording sound and it, oh, everything is going terrible it's so, funny. <laughs> so great and the first the the, the microphones are the plant and then we put it on her chest and we get her heartbeat and then it's on her side and sound is get in the pearls, and, out yeah. and the pearls and all these things are happening <laughs> and you watch the director getting more and more crazy hold it a
3: second now Lena, look here's the mic right here in the bush yeah now you talk towards it the sound goes through the cable to the box a man records it on a big record in wax. But you have to talk into the mic first. In the bush. I'll try it again. She is dumb. Oh, she'll get it, Dexter. Look, Lena, don't worry. We're all a little nervous the first day. Everything's going to be okay. Oh, by the way, Roscoe, you know the scene coming up where I say imperious princess of the night? I don't like those lines there. Is it all right if I just say what I always do? I, I love you, I love you, I love you. Sure, Anyway, it's comfortable. But into the bush... Okay, again, quiet, quiet, quiet. roll em.
0: That's what directing feels like <laughs> a lot of the time. It's like I have to stay really calm. Everything's falling apart around me. I stay calm and we're just going to get through. it. It's going to be okay. Yeah, that's really what it feels like to be a director. By sometime. the way, that
1: actor is an unsung hero of the film. Oh, like, he's, he's great. He's so great. Oh, yeah. Just so yeah. great. Just say it. To the mic, into the bush. I don't care what you say; just say it into the bush. It's so great.
0: And of course, one of the things we have to do in order to do a talkie picture is that our actors have to learn how to speak. So on the one hand, we have Lena Lamont with her voice coach, (laughs) and I can't stand him. She's such a good voice. And then with the guys, we get Moses supposes.
2: Oh my gosh, this is such a terrific number. Yeah, and it it is um one of two songs in the whole movie that were actually original to sing in right. the rain it's uh-huh. not one of the trunk songs from previous shows um it's a very um and the other one's well, make
0: make them laugh right
2: yes yes make him laugh which is based it's pretty much uh, uh, Cole Porter song yeah, but, yeah. but nobody they they deny that but that's okay um but Comden and Green again they did such a fabulous job and the the lyrics are so they're they're just the epitome of the Comden and Green uh wordplay mm-hmm. that they love to do
3: Moses supposes his toes are roses, but Moses supposes erroneously. But Moses, he knows his toes aren't roses, as Moses supposes his toes to be. Moses supposes
2: his toes are roses, but Moses supposes erroneously. A Moses, is a mose. A rose is a rose. A toes is a toes. Hoop de doodle what I love about this number I, there's so many things I love about it but um, the choreography really matches the lyrics mm-hmm. as far as um, kind of the uh, the canon aspect of it because you get all these different rhythmic and syllabic matches in mm. the lyric and you get the same um, kind of call and response in the choreography as well mm. the way that um, never thought about it you're stationed. totally right yeah it's yeah. it's brilliant
0: yeah, it's 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 amazing to watch. And it's a ma what, what's to me, it's like the textbook of you watch two guys dancing really tightly in sync with each other, and yet they're different. Yes. And that's so fascinating to watch is that they're doing exactly the same steps. They're perfect, spot on in sync. Mm-hmm. And yet the the styles still come out. And one of the things I'm fascinated with Gene Kelly, and we talked about his athleticism, we talked about that. that that sort of physicality he has, is I'm kind of fascinated, I'm curious what you think about this, but with his upper body. Mm -hmm. Because his upper body, no matter what he's doing, remains solid and still in this way as if he's not really, and maybe that's why he looks so effortless, but it's just he has such control and such strength there that he can do all these things and yet it's like nothing's happening. Yeah,
2: that comes squarely from classical ballet training. And um, he did study ballet yeah. extensively and loved ballet. Um, and that, that's really where that training comes from. We'll, well, I'm sure we'll jump to it later, but in the Broadway melody right. ballet, mm. you see it uh, very clearly. He does this enchantment jump sequence where he's doing these big leaps in right. the air and he just floats and you're like, oh my gosh, he's way up high in the air. Mm. But that's that's really that training to have that center and that lifted quality you even though he does feel down and dirty and gritty and rough a lot of the time he always has this um, this energy Mm -hmm. right in his core that keeps it smooth so he doesn't look like he's hurting or trying Mm -hmm. Um, and that's really where the performance comes from and as far as the two dancers being so in sync and yet feeling like they're different those are two great actors right and Those differences are coming from a place of character. And there's a lot of young dancers out there, singers, musicians, uh, actors, who think if I just do the steps right, if I just sing the right notes, if I just say the right lines, um, I'm doing great. Well, those things are the barrier to entry.
0: (laughs) Right, of course. You (laughs) have to do that. yeah, Yeah, you have
2: to do that. So what's the difference? It's somebody that can bring their own life to it and mm-hmm. their point of view and these two guys do it effortlessly and I think you bring up a really good point this is a great example of it the degree of difficulty is off the charts and yet we still see two very different characters two very different people executing the same thing and
0: they're having fun. Yes. 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 They're playing. They too, look at yeah. like they
2: are having the best time. Yeah. <laughs> and there's no difference
1: when you, and this is a great point you bring up, and there's no difference between watching two actors having a fantastic scene together verbally what you're watching in this musical number is two actors having a great scene with their feet, with their bodies. But there's a conversation going on with their dance. And you can see it. And as they dance around, and then as they come together, and when they're coming together, and then when they're on the desk, like all of it, there's such joy. But you're right, Steve, each one has their style, and their style, they complement each other so well. In this particular number, so well, and you just enjoy it because of how much fun they're having. Because it's two pros at the end, and also like if you strip it all away, it's two dance pros in a studio, in a literally a dance studio, (laughs) having a great time. You know, well, and the thing, jazz. It's almost like jazz. The the thing too that's interesting
0: that just sort of occurred to me is we started with the artifice of the fake Don Lockwood in Mm -hmm. Hollywood, and that's the guy that Kathy Selden uh, rejects, Mm -hmm. and and he's full of it. And now, and, and that's the guy who's prancing around with Lena Lamont in these silly yeah. silent films. This guy's dancing to Moses Supposes. That guy's awesome. Yeah. yeah, and that's what this movie is about. Is that no, no? You have to be that guy. You have to be yourself. Right. Because that guy is filled with joy and excitement and fun, and he's that's that's who we want to see. Not mm-hmm. the not the Lena Lamont guy. Right. That's false. And and really, in a lot of ways, this movie is all about getting past the false to the real, which is funny because it's a completely, fo- not phony, but a completely silly uh, movie in its construction. It's mm. not a realistic movie in any way.
2: No, but that's the real, that is the real truth because then even in the kind of show within a show story of making yeah. this movie, the change in the movie all comes about because Don figures out who, what he himself really has to bring. Yeah. And that is the song and dance man aspect.
0: Yeah. Um, what? Tell me about the, you had mentioned before something about uh, the tapping, and how they do the sound for the tapping.
2: Well, yeah. Um, in making musicals, talking about how musicals are actually made, um, for musical numbers, the music itself, the songs, are normally pre-recorded. Right. Traditionally, yes. they're pre-recorded. And then played back on set and you would sing and dance along to the pre-recorded music. And this is really essential for sound syncing later on in the editorial process to make sure things match when you're doing multiple angles, multiple takes, all of that. Um, But with the dance, tap dancing is really one of the only forms of dance that sound is really essential, (laughs) right? (laughs) So it would be almost impossible to record the sounds of the dance and then try to physically match the sounds on set, right, so so the tap sounds are generally done in post production in foley, and you'll you if you look closely, thinking about it, you'll see sequences like in the Moses supposes, the guys are up dancing on the desk, right? They're right. tapping, Dick, tick, tick 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 tick, and then they jump down on the floor, and it's tick 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 tick. tick. It's the exact same sound, right? right we're not hearing the big desk sounds boom yeah. and then yes. yeah, of <laughs> the floor sounds. Right. It's all a consistent sound. It's also a consistent sound level, no matter if we're in a tight shot or a wide shot. Right. You yeah. would think if you're farther away it from the camera, you sure, would get a right. different sound. So they would boom the the tap sounds for sync. Um, but then, then later, yeah, then later oh. the God bless the sound editors got to yeah. <laughs> place all the tap sounds. But what they would do is um they high had dance fully artists, mostly women who were tap dancers that were never credited in any of these movies. Wow. And they come in, you put down a board, you put mics in front of their feet, wow. and just like you would do an ADR session as an actor where you come in and match your own dialogue, they are there matching the choreography and the tap sounds. So
0: they're doing tap fully.
2: Tap fully. Yeah. yes. Wow. And there were multiple people that did this. Men Many of the stars, like Fred Astaire would almost always do his own tap sounds, sure. his own tap dubbing. He had an assistant that was very close to him that would occasionally do it if there was a conflict mm. or he was, you know, unable to come. Um, Gene Kelly almost always did his own yeah. as well. Uh, I'm sure Donald O'Connor did his own because he's so great. Uh, it's, it's reported that Gene Kelly also did Debbie Reynolds. So oh, wow. yeah, so she was doing all the dancing and she's hitting all her taps, right. but to do that so specifically clean, well, especially copy... with three dancers, mm-hmm.
0: and well, and to copy your taps from sound and visuals to match them—that's yeah, yeah crazy that's
2: a, a, a we talked about degree of difficulty a little bit. ago. <laughs> this is <laughs> off the charts <laughs> as well. Um, so, but the a, another fun story is that in the singing in the rain number, if you think about it, if you're in tap shoes in water you're not gonna hear clean click 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 yeah, yeah no. and you <laughs> so, might slip and fall on
0: your ass yeah. yeah uh
2: so i don't know if it was because gene kelly was sick at the time or whatever he actually didn't dub his own taps for that number mm. it was carol haney and gwen verdon oh gwen verdon Gwen yes. Verdon
0: from uh, Fossey and. Yes, yes. Wow. And Grease? Exactly. And Greece. <laughs> yes. yes.
2: And Sweet Charity, yeah, Sweet Charity and yeah. all, all of that. Yeah. And Carol Haney, who's also um, a phenomenal Broadway dancer, who um, both of them assisted Jack Cole, who was like the father of American theater, jazz, mm. and dance. Um, and they both had assisted Gene Kelly at different times. Wow. And so they dubbed those steps. And um, the, the story goes that they had to do it in a tub of water because wow. it was matching but it was just really really, really shallow cool. so they were still getting the splish splash sounds but yeah. still the consistent tap sounds again you go back and you watch the number the tap sounds are consistent even if he's on the sure. sidewalk in the puddle on right. a lamp you know? yeah. <laughs>
0: that's crazy um, which brings us of course to the world premiere of the Dueling Cavalier <laughs> our, our uh, silent film epic <laughs> and it is awesome yeah <laughs>
3: What's that, the thunderstorm outside? It's those pearls, Mr. Simpson. I am the noblest lady of the court, second only to the queen. Yet I am the saddest of mortals in France. Why, what is the matter, lady? I'm so downhearted, Theresa. My father has me betrothed to the Baron De and I can't stand them. Oh, that's such a match! Sounds good and loud, huh? <laughs> I could remember where the microphone was, boss. But... Uh, I,
2: I have empathy for sound designers everywhere watching this. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and that
0: is real. Like, everything that happens, oh, yeah. the yeah. loud pearls and the the breathing and all, if you listen to straight sound,
1: particularly poorly recorded, yeah, it sounds like that.
2: Yeah. That's why we have Or to actors have... that don't know what they're doing, and they're yeah. setting down books on their line. And... Yeah. <laughs> oh,
1: God. As a voiceover guy doing auditions, you're so paranoid about every little sound when you're listening back to your own auditions before you send them in so that's just seeing that sequence again was like giving me hives because you're just like (laughs) oh that'd be the worst thing in the world you hear something oh my god why didn't i hear that when i was recording and you you hear that now uh, when you play it back you're like how did that get in there i gotta start all over again so yeah you see things like that just well and i I, I have this (laughs) happen with
0: my film students when they're looking at their films and i'm listening to them i'm like you're in deep trouble here. And they go, <laughs> and they go What? What's wrong? And like, because they're not hearing it, because it takes a right. while. Because yeah. they're focused on other things. Guess
2: right. They say, Close your eyes and listen.
0: <laughs> so they have a disastrous, a disastrous premiere. Yeah. People are walking out of the movie. They feel their careers are ruined. And in this, there's a moment where the sound goes out of sync uh, in which uh, Don's voice comes, or this guy's voice comes out of leading Lamont's yeah. uh, oh, mouth. it's so funny. And it's really funny. And this is going to become important later. We go back. To Don's ridiculously huge mansion. Yes, I know, right. <laughs> apparently has Chateau. couches like lined up yeah. all over, um, and he is really depressed, and he he feels that he's been exposed for exactly the phony Kathy said he was. They're really depressed, and then we come up with the brilliant idea, which I think makes no sense whatsoever. But they come up with the brilliant idea of let's turn that movie into a musical. Yes.
3: Why don't you? What? Make a musical. A musical. Sure. Make a musical. The new Don Lockwood, he yodels, he jumps about to music. Oh, the only trouble is that after they release Dueling Cavalier, nobody'd come to see me jump off the Woolworth Building into a damp rag. Well, why don't you turn the Dueling Cavalier into a musical? Dueling Cavalier? Sure. We've got six weeks before it's released. Yeah. Add some songs and dances. Trim the bad scenes. Add a couple of new ones. Then you got it. Hey. Hey, I think it'll work. Of course. You know it may be crazy, but we're gonna do it. The Dooming Cavalier is now a musical.
0: And they go perfect. We'll just add some song and dance scenes, because that's easy enough to do. Sure. And we'll just take a couple of months, <laughs> and then we'll have a musical will be a big hit and we sing good morning. Yeah.
3: I feel this is my lucky day, March 23rd. Oh no, your lucky day is the twenty-four. What do you mean the twenty-four? It's one thirty already. It's morning. Yes. And what a lovely morning. <laughs> Good morning, good morning We've talked the whole night through Good morning, good morning to you Good morning, good morning It's great to stay up late Good morning, good morning to you When the band began to play The stars were shining bright Now the milkman's on his way It's too late to say goodnight So good morning Good morning, with Good morning, good morning to you and you and you and you.
1: Which is one of the greatest threesomes you'll ever see on screen doing any kind of dance. And she is so good in she's this. She's just sequence. delightful. Yeah. It? And, she is. And, she's and at the center of anchoring. It. Yeah, so yeah, so she anchors the whole uh, piece. From the whole, this the soft dancing in the dress. And by the way, the costume, fantastic. What they're wearing perfectly fits yes. for what they're doing and, and lets her flow easily through what she's doing in the different uh, changes. And the way they play with the raincoats and the different variations of the different dances that they yeah. throw in there. All of it exactly. is old Hollywood. All of it is there. Well, and also the big so long fun. tracking shot that yes. takes them from right.
2: room to room to room. Yep. And uh, it just captures the element of play. Yeah, And well, I, I find that throughout this movie that there's so much joy as you say but there's so much playfulness too and mm. and playing off of one another and this this whole sequence really highlights that.
0: Well this is the I'm so glad you said it I was going to say exactly the same thing because I I had this theater teacher who when we got really depressed with our bad plays or whatever he said it's called a play for a reason.
2: Right? Mm. <laughs> is that
0: it's supposed to be play. And this scene I mean, so is Moses. There's so much play in this movie. And this what they bring up the raincoats and all the things mm. they do. is like they're having fun. And, of course, we know that uh, Debbie Reynolds' feet had to bleed mm. to have this much fun. Mm-hmm. Like that, and that's this combination that I'm kind of fascinated by with Singing in the Rain. Because everything I've heard about Gene Kelly, he worked hard. Yeah. Oh, yeah. He was a taskmaster. He was a perfectionist. Yeah. It doesn't sound like he was mean or abusive but he was like, we're going to get this exactly right. So to create this show of joy and play and laughter, we're gonna put in hour after hour and after hour of serious hard work and sweat.
2: Well, and that is truly when you really can have fun, when you're Mm. not thinking anymore, when you've rehearsed so much that the steps are ingrained in your body um, and you don't have to worry about what comes next or or am I in in line or am I hitting my mark? You really can have that much joy if you're that prepared. And yeah. I think it's essential. You know, they yeah. could not have pulled off what they pulled off in this movie without working that hard.
1: Yeah. And it comes through, especially in a number like this, because you, even as a, a person who just has no uh, dance experience or no dance knowledge, you watch what they're doing and you're amazed uh, at the sequence, amazed at the movements, amazed at the, at the, at the speed of it. Uh, And how it changes, how the styles Mm -hmm. change throughout the whole Mm -hmm. sequence. And underlying it all is this belief that, yes, things can be better. Yes, Mm -hmm. there's an option. There's a possibility. Even in the darkest of nights Mm -hmm. when the rain is out, when everything says you're not going to make it, there's that one friend who's like, no, no, if we do this and this and this... We can save it. And it's that old Hollywood gumption yeah. thing, which I love. Well, and they're know?
2: having so much fun. You feel like you want to jump in there and do it yes. with them. of course. Yes. Like, ah, I'll get up there. I'll, I'll stand on the stool.
1: <laughs> well,
0: that's how they manipulate poor little children into being tortured for years and years in order to become dancers. It's because it looks like so yeah. much fun. <laughs> pretty much.
2: <laughs> I was
0: thinking about something that I wanted to ask both of you. What do you think of Gene Kelly's voice?
2: Well... He has a a lovely voice. It's not a traditionally um great singing voice. I mean, he's not John Wright or somebody mm-hmm. like that or even Frank Sinatra. But I think he's such a good actor and he's so connected. His voice is so connected to him and his performance and his body. you totally buy it.
1: I love his voice. It's I have all the all his songs, and I because once again, it's that connection of it's not. It's not a high-end voice. It's not a highfalutin voice. He is a man. This is how a man would sing. He's masculine. And this Mm -hmm. is how a masculine man would sing. And this is what I feel when I listen to him. So I like his voice a lot. And if you go, as I've said before, go find on the town. That's Main Street is one of the most beautiful songs that you'll ever hear him Mm -hmm. sing. And takes full advantage of what he can do with his voice. You know, the, the... talk singing that works for his type of it just is mm-hmm. so beautifully done in main street and here and in and singing in the rain the same thing there's a reason that song is so iconic it's not because he's got this amazing voice it's because it's a voice that fits and there's a joy and purity organic yeah. purity to it that you gravitate to and love well and i think to me because i totally agree is it, it, i think to me he's
0: honest yeah yeah that's, very that's who he is mm-hmm. that's who he is yep and so and, and and it's
2: not bad he has training i mean yeah. he's not oh he's just on away yeah. right. and kind of marginally saying no he's doing a really good job he's being but he's being authentic to who he is mm-hmm.
0: yeah and that and it goes back to sort of well what are we going to see a movie for and sometimes you it's not for the things that it's not for the perfect perfection is not actually what we generally want right. or and it's hard to describe Authenticity is what we want. But he is is who he is. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so let's talk about Singing in the Rain. Now, this is his most famous number of all time. It is one of the most beloved numbers of all time. It's not the most difficult number. By the way, I think it's well-known sort of Hollywood lore that he had 103 uh, fever when he did it, mm-hmm. uh, shot day for night. So they have big black tarps over the top. Mm-hmm. They have pipes over the top. This is on the MGM backlot. So mm-hmm. it's really shot outside. Shot it over two or three days. They
2: had to dig little holes in the street to make puddles. Yeah. And,
0: and apparently people
1: uh, had trouble running their water in Culver City for the, <laughs> while they were shooting. They're using so much water. Right. And also, they couldn't understand why the suit was... Shr- it was wool. Yeah. So the suit would shrink. So they weren't able, so they had to finally figure out what type of material to use because the suits kept shrinking through the number. <laughs> so they had to make that change as well. So there yes. was so much involved in creating this amazing yeah. masterpiece. And like you said, Steve, earlier, like there's all this work to get what looks effortless and beautiful on yeah. screen. There's all this extra work behind the scenes.
2: Well, I think one of the many reasons why this is such an iconic number and why he's so remembered for this is that it plays directly into his MO as a choreographer. Hmm. He, um, you know, while he was classically trained in all kinds of dance styles has impeccable technique, he really didn't want to be bound to choreography or established steps. He wasn't interested in creating, um, pieces that were just this step now, this step, then this step. He, he wanted to find things that were true to the moment, to the mood and to the character. Mm -hmm. And he, he. He does moves in this number that are just stomping around, but that's what we all did. That's what we all did when we were kids. Mm -hmm. It's for some of us maybe still our temptation (laughs) when it's a nice warm day and it's raining, and but you're an adult, you're not going to go splashing in the puddles. I
0: I do. do, That's why I (laughs) wear these big boots. They're waterproof. (laughs) I'm glad to hear it, Steve.
2: Uh, but he gave himself permission to really just find the truth of the moment and do whatever came out of him right. and not be constrained by style or or technique. And this number is just such a beautiful example of it. And I think that's why people really relate to it. They could see themselves up there doing the same thing.
0: And it goes back to that word play. Yeah. You know, it's play. And there's, there's just little moments of of him going towards the water spout and not and yes, mm-hmm. and then going full under it or stomping into the full stomp. Yes. yeah, and, and the, then getting caught by and the cop. And-,
2: and, <laughs> and the
0: shrug, and then even the little dainty way he pulls his feet and shakes his feet to get the little drops off mm-hmm. when he's completely soaked. It's just, yeah. it makes you smile. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, and, and all sorts of emotions that films can do. I don't know that anything that makes
1: me like, oh, I'm happy. This is, And this is what I, I want to say about that piece Two things, the undercurrent of it is love. This is how sometimes you can feel love, this kind of joyful purity of finding someone that you care about so much and the joy of it beginning, right? That's what he's doing when he's Mm -hmm. dancing all around. She's helped him solve this huge problem that he thought his career was over. She showed him that it's not. She's with him, she's by his side and he is finally fully in love with her and that is conveyed in the dance. The dance is joyful but it's joyful because he's in love. Absolutely. And oh, 100%. And, and that's mm-hmm. why he reverts... One of the greatest things I ever read from a therapist was like, when you fall in love you go back to being a child and what you <laughs> wanted as a child, what you, how you describe love yeah. as a child and what he's doing is childlike, the stomping, the pushing of the water, the putting the... And I love the camera work. There's a second thing I want to say. The camera work in this, when it goes wide, when it gets close up, when it goes above him as the water is pouring on his face, there's a smile on my... All of it jumping on the lamppost. All of it is childlike in its joy because he's going back to being in love. There's no walls here. There's no Donald Lockwood fakeness. This is him finally finding someone that he can be in love yeah. with and expressing it so purely in dance. you know, Completely. Mm-hmm. I want to just, something you mentioned about the camera work is that, is
0: that we talked a little bit, um, oh, we talked about it when we talked about Bruce Lee, I think, yeah. is the idea of, you know, with Fred Astaire, he wanted the camera to be top to bottom. Yeah. Uh, Jackie Chan wants the same thing, which is yeah. why I guess I connect martial arts and dance, <laughs> is that, but the goal is I want you to see everything that I'm doing. You can't just, if you just see waist up, you miss all sorts of stuff. You say feet down, you miss what my hands are doing. So, uh, and Gene Kelly did the same thing, but he was much more sophisticated in the way that he used the camera, is that the camera's moving and dancing with, it's showing everything, but it's also moving and dancing with the actors, which makes it more mm-hmm. dynamic than what you had seen before he yeah. came along. And we should mention at this point too, that he has a co-director, which is Stanley Donnan. Um yeah. And yeah. <laughs> uh, who also is on, on the town. Yeah. and uh, Who he brought up. Gene who he made him. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and it makes sense because when you're on camera, you can't really know. Mm-hmm. Unless you're looking and watching the scene, you can't really know what's going on. And mm-hmm. I think Gene... And it sounds like they had a... Uh, Good, very contentious release. contentious but they, they they obviously stopped. constructive mm-hmm. uh, relationship yeah. making the film
2: well you need that person and it, it can't just be you know musical with so much detailed and specific choreography and specific camera work you can't leave it to your AD to say no. yeah I got you got it or, or whatever you need somebody that speaks both the language of dance and the language of film right. and Donnan was really that for Kelly and from From what I know, um, Stanley Donnan also had great ideas Mm -hmm. that, you know, he wasn't necessarily the driving force, but when he went on to do things on his own, he was very successful.
1: That's the thing you could argue is Donnan was the more successful successful director than Gene Kelly overall, because he does go on and do other great films. I mean, you look at the the barn
2: raising sequence in Seven Brides for Seven Brothers. That is genius. That is beautifully. Mm -hmm. I mean, Stanley didn't. Choreographed that, but he shot it. He staged right. it. And um
1: Michael Kidd it, did that. Yeah.
2: Exactly. Yeah. So you can't say he didn't bring anything to the table right. for right. sure.
0: Well, and we could never know. I mean, that's the right. thing about collaborations, is yeah, we can't know. Mm-hmm. We can look at what they go on to do
1: separately. But there's a reason Kelly brings Don into on the town because he sees. That's the thing. Yeah although they broke up over singing in the rain he sees the talent that Donnan has and which sure. is why he trusts him to be his second set of eyes on On the Town and, and, and when they do Singing in the Rain. But Donnan also is discovering his own power, his own knowledge, his own... Work. So at that point, when the break happens, it's because they both kind of... Cre- he created this entity. He has embraced his own entity and now he's going off to do his own thing and they can no longer collaborate because yeah. they're too powerful.
2: Well, in a lot of ways, that's a natural progression with a mentor and mentee. Absolutely, there comes a point where you got to move on. You got to assert yourself and start to find your own voice and your own vision apart from the person you've worked most closely with. Mm
0: -hmm. So we're almost at the finale, but now I have to bring up one thing that I didn't know until this last time watching it, and I'm just shocked. That I never knew this, which is I never knew that's Rita Moreno playing yes. Zelda. Oh yes,
2: and, and never her knew stuff got cut. you yep. supposed yeah. to have a big number and everything. Totally cut. Yeah. I got
1: one more for you. Yeah, at the beginning of the movie, the fan that faints is oh, Leslie Caron.
2: I knew I recognized her, and I really? couldn't figure it's it Leslie out. Caron. That's amazing.
1: Is, is Jean had found her. And They had a, and she, he brought her over and wanted her to have this small part <laughs> and then did this, did the faint. And that's Lizzie Corral, that's, that's great.
2: hilarious! Yep. Great, wow.
0: Um, so we've reached, so we've come up with our plan. We're going to do a musical, and Kathy is going to sing and be Lena's voice. And it's, I love the pitch because <laughs> I'm picturing the dueling cavalier, and then they're saying we're going to have these song and dance numbers, and it's Young Hofer, and then we see. And I'm just going, okay, how could this possibly, this is is the silliest thing I've ever heard. But we go to uh, our big final dance number, which Mm -hmm. is Broadway Melody, uh, which originally was going to be small. Mm -hmm. It was going to be a small dance number. And Mm -hmm. then because of the success of American in Paris, they go, we need to have it It got bigger and bigger and bigger until it's this huge number. uh, And it's really fun to watch. Not my favorite in the film. Like, I mean, mm-hmm. it's hard to pick favorites. Mm-hmm. My favorites yeah. are the ones we've already talked about. Yeah. But Broadway Melody is great.
2: Well, there's there's so many inventive things about it. Oh, yeah. Um, both uh, stylistically, yeah. visually, choreographically, all coming together to tell this kind of odd little story. Yeah. <laughs> um, that has nothing
1: to do with anything. Yeah, no, yeah. I, I
2: have no idea how that fits into Dueling Cavaliers no, at right. all. But, right. you know. I don't care. What's
1: the gangster mall <laughs> doing in there? What's yeah. the whole Sid yeah. Charisse sequence? Yeah. You're like, what was this all I, about? I,
2: I just have to take two seconds for Sid Charisse Please. because she is. Take, may- take 10. Yeah. She deserves it. Uh, yeah. <laughs> she is maybe one of my greatest dancing idols. She is, mm. or like I mentioned, when we started the podcast, I, um, I'm a very tall, curvy brunette who <laughs> wanted to be a classical ballerina. Um, and Sid Charisse, um, she danced with the Ballet Russe de Monte Carlo when wow. started when she was 14. She had a professional career mm-hmm. as a ballerina um up until World War II began and the company disbanded because mm-hmm. of the war. Mm-hmm. So that's when she came to Hollywood and um you know her her style and her technique the the ballet training comes through but it's you still always believe her in whatever she's doing and the, the vampiness, the seductress part. I mean, she just, she does it like falling off a log. (laughs) Right.
0: Well, and all the character that comes through in her performance is huge.
2: Oh yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, the second you lay eyes on her, you know exactly who she is. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, you know that Don Lockwood or whoever Whoever we're going to call him in this dance montage, the the dancing cavalier, he's met his match and then some. Yeah. Um, and, uh, there's a funny tidbit that's well known about Sid Teresa is that she had an insurance policy as the most expensive legs because um, I think it was Lloyd's of London insured her legs for five million dollars. Not,
1: <laughs> not
0: worth every penny.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. And he used her a few. He, I mean, he worked with her. Sorry, he worked with her a few times, you know, because Brigadoon, mm-hmm. Brigadoon mm-hmm. and yeah. then also in uh, uh, It's Always Fair Weather, which is mm-hmm. one of these really dark music. It's musicals really that dark. Nobody yeah. talks well, about and
2: bandwagon and bandwagon. He has this, and yes, this exactly. Huge sequence with her that's mm-hmm. really dark. Yeah. Um, and she was, and another fun tidbit is that, um, she's five, seven. Yeah. She's taller than Gene Kelly. Yes. And he choreographed specifically to hide this fact. (laughs) God bless the male ego. (laughs) Um, but he, he has, if you, if you notice when you go back and watch all of her stuff in this, she's always hinged at the hip. She's deep. Her Mm -hmm. legs are bent. She's in, she's slinking around. It's a character choice. Yeah. But it's but also, it's also a, a, right. another choice as well. And he d- uses all these levels with her. He puts her on the floor three different times. Right. You don't you don't really see that in dance. That's a very modern dance, modern ballet sensibility, but he's mm-hmm. incorporating it into this sequence and I think well, it works beautifully.
0: Well that's as you said before, Gene Kelly. Isn't bound by technique. He, exactly. he's happy to take from whatever is necessary to make this happen, or invent his own, or invent yeah. his own thing.
2: And um, there's, you know, there's two main sequences of dance with her. She's in the green dress in the club, right. and mm-hmm. then there's this this yeah, the, white, uh, the, yeah. the the white sequence where it's With in his veil. imagination mm-hmm. and he does another fun thing in that sequence which is to put her up on stairs yes yeah. so they are not even dancing on the same level they do meet but when they meet she's falling into his arms mm-hmm. well and <laughs>
0: dancing i mean that you know that veil Oh, my God. It is so crazy. It's like
2: 60 feet long or something crazy like that. And they have
0: huge, huge wind machines going all the time. And the wind machines are angled at different places, and they're turning them up and down to get the veil to do at what angle they want it to do really hard and uh, you know from what said Cherie said you know she's wearing a sail essentially yeah. and yeah. sometimes like trying to dance into the wind with this giant sail on her back it knocks her over over and over again yeah, yeah. i
2: i so wish there was b-roll footage of this because right? <laughs> you know, you know whole that thing stage. tied
0: them up and, oh my god yeah, yeah, what, yeah.
2: what a nightmare i mean i've done i've done my share of props dancing and they're there are there are times when you just are at your wit's end trying to deal with this damn prop, much less do the choreography, right. make it look effortless, be in the moment as the actor. Yeah. I just can't imagine what it was like to film that. Well,
0: it, it, just on this for a moment, even the simplest prop in a movie is hard. Yeah. Like if you like I spent, you know, having I wanted blood to drop in drip into a sink when a guy is like washing his face. And getting the blood to drip in just the right place, <laughs> oh. you gotta do it like 30 times. You know, yeah. no, no, that was when right. I cleaned the blood up. You know, like, oh, <laughs> you know, you have, you see all sorts of times where, you know, um, a coin falls into frame or something falls into frame or some glasses yeah. or something. 20, 30 takes. Yeah. You know, like, it's really, really hard. And I imagine that where people are moving and running and there's wind and twisting and all the it's impossible. Mm-hmm. And Charisse had just had birth. She just had a baby like right before this. Wow. So she had to work off all the weight and mm-hmm. then be doing this scene. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's a great sequence. And again, we get that joy of got to dance, mm-hmm. which is just yeah. so much fun.
2: Well, and the camera work too, mm-hmm. in this whole sequence, and we, we talked a little bit of camera work in some of the other numbers, but overall, um, he and Stanley Donnan, whoever, however, the, uh, the duties fall, yeah. we will never know. Um, they did a lot of great work of uh, creating different sizes of shots with the camera movement. So right. you're not going from a wide, cutting into the medium or cutting into a close. When the camera's moving, you don't feel like you've missed anything. Yeah. And that right. was really important to Gene Kelly. Um, and then also all these axis shifts you know, the, all of a sudden we're, we're watching, looking one direction, Then all of a sudden, whoop, the camera switches 90 degrees, and we, f- we feel like we're in a whole other place, but we're really just in another corner of the room. Yeah. Right. And so you've got people coming from one side to the other, and it's very cinematic choreography in that way. It's choreography that wouldn't work on a stage, on mm-hmm. a proscenium. It's really specific to the medium. And so I, I really appreciate that as, as a dancer and a choreographer, as well.
0: Yeah. Yeah. The the whole sequence, Broadway Melody sequence, is so weird because it is a it's a scene within a movie. It's a movie within a movie. Hmm. Uh within a movie that they haven't <laughs> shot yet. Yeah. Because they haven't pitching. even done it. They're pitching the idea <laughs> yes. of the thing they're going to do where we have within that scene. A guy meet a girl, and then we have his fantasy. And so we have a fantasy yeah. within yeah. a scene within a movie that we haven't made. That's within a movie that has nothing to do with our main characters, yeah. Kathy and Don. Right. It is, com- and it's a really long sequence. And
2: yet we're totally engrossed. Totally engrossed.
0: Mm-hmm. And this, <laughs> and again, I love pointing this out as I teach my students all sorts of rules of what you're supposed to do in film. And over and over again, there are these great movies that go, "Nope, you don't do yeah. that." <laughs> because the real secret is, if it's good, you could do it yeah yeah if
2: if the audience is on board god bless you could do it yeah
0: take him once you got him you can take him wherever you want yeah Yeah. and gene kelly can take you a lot of places when he's dancing i'll go okay yeah
2: i'm pretty much good to go with that yeah
0: so we're making the dancing cavalier and the whole idea is that we're dubbing kathy selden's voice for lena lamont
2: yeah but the crazy thing is when we hear the playback of lena lamont's now overdubbed voice, supposed to be Kathy Seldon, it's actually the actress, Jean Hagen, it's just her normal voice. Yeah. The actress playing Lena oh, really? Lamont, it's just <laughs> her. <laughs> She's doing an affected voice as the Lena Lamont character, right. but then they just use her voice. I,
0: I wonder why they, why do you think they did that? Why did they do that?
2: I don't really know, because we obviously know what Debbie Reynolds sounds like. Yeah.
0: And yet apparently <laughs> so, we don't, because I never knew that.
2: Yeah, yeah. And, then, and the same thing for the singing as well. When we hear the playback of the new voice of Lena Lamont, that's not Debbie Reynolds either. It's another studio singer, wow. um, and I, I regretfully don't remember the name of the singer that's mm-hmm. that's doing it, and I'm not sure why they chose to do that, because again, we clearly know what Debbie Reynolds sounds like singing. Yeah. <laughs> Except
0: again, we clearly don't, because I never knew that. Wow. Maybe they're trying you know, to so sell
2: it to us as the more affected voice sure. of mm-hmm. the well, the, movie or well the other
0: thing that reminds me is like, well, this is the studio system. And today, if a studio is making a movie, a team is hired to make that movie for the studio. Right. In the days of the studio system, they were all there. And they went from movie to movie. And so, like, for instance, what happened with this film is whoever was necessary to bring in for that moment... They brought that person in. Like mm-hmm. one of them is that it's a different arranger for Moses Supposes than it is the arranger for Good Morning. Mm. Because they, they went, oh, this guy's better for this kind of song. And because so, and, and they're making so many movies. like you, Like MGM made more than two movies coming out a week. Mm-hmm. Which is wow. more movies than all of Hollywood makes now. And so they're constantly, it's like a factory. Mm-hmm. And all these people are going from movies to movies. And this is one of the reasons it's hard to make musicals today, because we don't know how. Yeah. They had mm-hmm. teams of people to make musicals. So they bring in another voice because they go, oh, let's use this voice. Because mm-hmm. everyone's being paid, everyone's on contract.
1: Yeah. Yeah. By the way, RF is like the worst studio head ever <laughs> in the history of mankind. I mean, can we can we just like take a moment for that? Just 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 flowing to whatever works, whatever goes around, whatever goes... Like, it, he's constantly in these situations. You're like, well, I don't even know who would make this decision. And like, he's always hiding stuff from other people, you know, those kinds mm-hmm. of things. So it's just so fun. Well, but- he's always just standing up for something and then completely... <laughs> yeah, yeah. the next second. right? Yeah. So not what a studio head would do at all. Um, yeah, he,
0: which he brings us to, because at the last moment... Kathy, uh, or, or Lena Lamont says, you know what? Kathy's got to continue to do my voice, yep. and yeah. we can't let this out, and you can't let her be a star. Mm-hmm. And we have our big premiere, and things look pretty bad, and the movie's a big hit, and they, and, and Lena wants to go, and she goes, Kathy, you're going to keep doing this for me, and Lena wants to go out and talk, and they go, yeah, go ahead. Yeah. yeah,
2: Ladies
3: and gentlemen, I can't tell you how thrilled we are at your reception for the Dancing Cavalier, our first musical picture together. Bless you all. She didn't sound that way in the picture. Cut the talk. Lena,
1: sing. But it's a great circle, right? Because in the beginning, the three of them are telling her not to talk. talk. The publicity's got like, no, they want to love their stars, blah, blah, blah. And then she turns it around and goes, okay, if you're going to play this game, here's my contract, and Mm -hmm. she's got to stay being my voice, which almost works. Almost Almost works. works. And then they want her to sing. And then, and this moment
0: is really mean. Yeah, it's pretty cruel, isn't it?
3: You gotta do it, Kathy. This thing is too big. Of course, she's got to do it. She's got a five year contract with me. Get over to that microphone, Selden. You heard of Kathy. Now, do it. I'll do it, Don. I'll do it. But I never want to see you again, on or off the screen.
0: And it's so horrible. Yeah, sorry. Mm -hmm. And it's just this unbelievable, and to the point where I, did, I adore the movie, but I'm kind of like, you know what? Not cool.
3: Yeah. yeah. That is
0: not, that's not, I understand you're going to have the reveal in the next moment, uh, which they do because Debbie Reynolds mm-hmm. goes behind the curtain, Lena Lamont in front of the curtain, Lena Lamont starts singing, singing in the rain with yeah. Debbie Reynolds and lip syncs to Debbie Reynolds in the background. And then <laughs> this really funny, joyful moment, Cosmo, RF, and Gene Kelly pull up the curtain revealing yeah. the truth. Yep.
2: Yes.
1: Well, and this is a good question. Why didn't he tell her? Do you think he didn't tell her because she wouldn't have agreed to be this cruel to her, or do you think he didn't tell her because he he she he he just didn't want to tell her? Like he was he was uh, like he had his own plan and screw what she was going to feel. I I, I think
0: uh, you want to know my reason why. Sure. He didn't well, tell I it? asked yeah because the movie is more dramatic if you don't tell her. Uh, I guess yeah, that's a good point. <laughs> that's that, that Cause, that's cause, why you don't. Well, tell it. also why
2: there was no tell? time to convince. There's no time to convince. the, yeah. the crowd is out there screaming. Yeah. To, the diva is sure. walking on the stage this is happening and you know the the three guys they've somehow read each other's minds to collude into this mm-hmm. is going to be the solution and so and, and
0: I love Debbie Reynolds in Tears I don't love Debbie Reynolds in Tears right, right. but oh, I love yeah. her running out into the audience yeah. and yeah. I love Stop That Girl yeah. yeah that's the girl the voice you fell in love with and that's when I start to cry Oh yeah. yeah it's uh, it's, it's, it, it's so good Yeah yeah so Melena Yes final thoughts on singing in the rain
2: man singing in the rain just makes me love being a dancer and makes me want to dance more even though i don't dance that often anymore (laughs) (laughs) it's it just connects to the joy of performing and the joy that sparks singing and dancing when it's really coming from a true authentic place Um, It can be the most transformative of performance experience. And I think Singing in the Rain is just the epitome of that.
0: Yeah, absolutely, yeah. John. What about you?
1: Well, it's one of my favorite musicals ever, and it's Gene Kelly at top form, and of course a young Debbie Reynolds. Kathy Seldon was my first crush as a as a yeah. yeah as a child. <laughs> it's good taste, yeah. And it's well like done. it's probably I've been looking for that girl ever since. You know, the sweet, sarcastic, speaks her speaks her mind, but is very was but, but willing to stand by you in your darkest times. So she she's so great in the film, and Debbie's so, just such so radiant, and Donald R. O'Connor. There's just so many factors in the film that make it so great. But the number one thing to me is. For me, I fell in love with film by watching older films. Right. And this is a love letter to those older films. Yeah. As subversive as it is at times to make fun of the studio system, it doesn't make fun of the studio musicals. It, that you see how difficult these are to do, what's involved with the transition. All this, it's taken on a serious subject matter, like you said, Steve, this idea of like transitioning from silent to talky. Who's going to lose their career? Who's not going to lose their career? How difficult it, How difficult it was. But it shows you, in the, especially in the Broadway dance melody, the Broadway, You see, that's their homage to those musicals, and right. those are the musicals that are the foundation for Singing in the Rain, for American in Paris, for what have you, for all the Fred Astaire, for like all that stuff was there to get people's appetite. In, in wet for musical movies and keep it going, even to now with La La Land, which is a right. musical in essence, and so the, it's always going to be there. But those Busby Berkeley movies. At the beginning of the studio system are the ones that lay the groundwork for all the musicals to come, and I think Singing and does a great job as a love letter to those kind of films.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Agreed. Um, I was I was thinking about this quite a bit. It, it, if these episodes go out in the order that I think they will, the one that went out last week was yeah. No Country for Old Men, right? Coen Brothers' film, great film, powerful, dark, won the Best Picture, and and that's the kind of movie that. Hollywood says that's a great film. Yeah, you know, like with serious drama, bleak, tells you that life is essentially meaningless <laughs> and dark, and 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 that is a great film. Yes, and and should get that respect. Mm-hmm. But there's a reason it's called show business. There's a reason that it's called a play. And as we talked about, with bleeding feet and sweat and all the hard work, is it's just as hard to give us joy as to give us bleakness amen. you know and that and 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 you know what it's 2017 now and 2016 was really hard and we need this kind of movie yeah you know and i'm not saying we don't have serious movies i love serious movies i'm not saying film can't tell us important things about life that it can't challenge us it can't make us better people but it can also make you smile yeah and there's there's nothing more valuable than sitting down for a couple of hours and getting to smile
1: a little bit mm-hmm. and feeling joy and feeling hope you know and then you it's a great point Steve because that's the double-sided coin of film it is there to make you think and to change your views on the world but on the same on the flip side it's there to help you escape the world when it gets too tough absolutely and, and singing in the rain does that
2: yeah and i i would argue that some in some cases it's harder to have a joyful performance mm-hmm. than a more dark and dramatic performance yeah. it's easy to to look at someone kind of putting on a smile, absolutely. and you just go, ugh. Yeah, right. You know, you have that saccharine taste in your mm-hmm. mouth from it. But when it's being really, really, truly well done and authentically done, it's so inspiring. Yeah,
0: uh, absolutely. No question about it. Well, we would like to hear what you think about Singing in the Rain. We hope you watch it. If you haven't seen it, watch it get your family together get some friends who haven't seen it before and sit down and watch it And I, it's
2: great for kids too and yes. absolutely
0: if you have kids sit them down and watch it and maybe they'll get that same little spark in their eye maybe they'll want to go i want to go dance right. and then they can have the bleeding feet and all the pain and, <laughs> and, too. and you know what and it'll be worth it yes um, um and we'd love to hear what you think so please you can visit us on facebook that's the cinephiles it's C-I-N-E-F-I-L-E-S. but if you want to subscribe to us on stitcher you can cannot use the dash because stitcher doesn't like dashes it's two words c-i-n-e no dash files f-i-l-e-s please search for us there if you want to reach me you can reach me at sr morris on twitter john where can they reach you
1: you can always reach me at the roca says r-o-c-h-a see all the shows i'm hosting and co-hosting and all the stuff i do all around town and then also please leave us comments on itunes please 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 some of you who have listened to the top 10 show you guys did such a great job doing that for us Do it for the cinephiles, please. We really need it. Want to move up the chain. You guys have expressed so much joy at what we've been doing. And I think you can tell we're getting really, really tight doing this show. And so we want to get some feedback from you all so that we can keep going with this and possibly get sponsors and possibly get this thing like really subsidized.
0: I concur. Milena, (laughs) if people want to reach you, is there a way for them to find you?
2: You can find me on all the socials at Milena Govich, M-I-L-E-N-A-G-O-V-I-C-H.
0: Excellent, and you should reach out to her and follow all the exciting things she's doing. There's a lot yes, of exciting news coming. Yes, please do. And uh, Melina thank you so much. Thank for coming. you for thank having you. me. It was this, so great having this you. This has
2: been so much fun.
0: It's been great for us too. Yep. And that's it for this week. We will see you next time
1: on the Cinephiles.